Welcome to the Padres Chair, a commentary on real-life issues that can take many of us to a breaking point. Presented by Dr. Tim Schroeder, the Padres Chair provides insight, hope, and encouragement from the perspective of time-proven truths found in the Bible. In this six-episode podcast series titled Insurmountable Odds, Tim addresses the unusual circumstances surrounding COVID-19, economic hardship, racial tension, injustice, and the honest challenge we all face of knowing how to live well and honorably in 2020. Here's Tim. Each of us derives our sense of value from somewhere, and it really pays to understand where. Think deeply about that statement. Think about it if you happen to be a person of color. Think about it if you identify as First Nations. How about if you're a police officer, or a millennial, or a senior? If you're poor, or white male, have mental or physical diversibilities, are overweight or under. Each of us derives our sense of value from somewhere, and it really pays to understand where. A while back, I had an extended coffee with a coach who is now coaching in the National Hockey League. I got to know him when he was coaching major junior hockey, and the coffee I'm referring to took place when he was in the professional ranks of the American Hockey League. And I asked him what we could be doing at the major junior level to better prepare players for the jump to professional hockey. His answer was immediate and direct and caught me totally off guard. Without a moment of hesitation, he said, hey, the single most important thing you could do would be to teach players how to handle social media. He went on to describe how today's player has a skating coach, a skills coach, a nutritionist, a strength and conditioning coach, yet has no one preparing him for the onslaught and damage that often erupts from even a single blogger. The pressure of media and social media, he said, messes with players' minds and confidence to such an extent, some of them actually attempt to change the way they play the game, not based on their training or coaching, but on media posts. Each of us derives our sense of value from somewhere, and it really pays to understand where. Let me give you the end point of this podcast first. And then we'll rewind and work our way toward it. Here's the conclusion. About the most important discovery you could make today would be to catch a glimpse of yourself through God's eyes. To see yourself, even if it's just a brief glimpse, the way he sees you. Now, with that being the goal, let's back up. If you were with us for episode one, you know that the source material for this podcast series is the life of a guy named Gideon, as it's described in the Old Testament book of Judges, chapters 6, 7, and 8. Gideon was part of the nation of Israel at a point in time when they were facing insurmountable odds. They were being horribly and frequently abused by the Midianites, and they had reached the absolute breaking point. After seven years of this kind of abuse, they just cried out for help. Now, I don't know what baggage you bring with you when you read the Bible or hear something read from the Bible, 
but I hope it's not so stoic and restrictive that you can't ever see the humor that's sometimes found there. Because what happens next in this story is hilarious. Israel cries out for help because the Midianites are oppressing them. They're oppressing them socially, economically, militarily. They're just horribly abusing them and pushing them around. And when Israel finally calls out for help, Judges 6 verse 7 says, God sent them a prophet. Are you kidding me? That's what you'd want in that circumstance. I mean, think about it. An outlaw motorcycle gang has your car surrounded after you've accidentally knocked over one of their bikes. They got clubs and chains in hand, and, and you cry to God for help. And he sends you a preacher? I'm sure, I'm sure Israel was thrilled. But that's how the story starts. And the prophet didn't solve the problem. He helped them get ready for the solution. And that's where today's story picks up. God is going to use Gideon to solve the problem, only Gideon doesn't know it yet, because he hasn't yet viewed the situation through God's lens or God's eyes. Now, here are some questions to wrestle with as we explore this account. What areas of life, what dimensions of my life, am I viewing today through faulty lenses? Just as God corrects Gideon's outlook, what might he want to do with my outlook? Now, I'm going to read the next section of the story from the Bible, and as you listen to it, I want you to consider these categories. Just see if you can see where things fit in as I read. First of all, like what overarching worldviews are revealed in this story, and where do those views come from? Next, what view does Gideon have of himself? And how does that evolve? And then lastly, how does God see Gideon? And what difference does it make? Now, as you do that exercise, I want to make sure of something. You do know, don't you? That we're not really talking about ancient worldviews or even about Gideon. Remember, the goal today is to catch a glimpse of yourself through God's eyes. Reading from Judges, chapter 6, starting at verse 11. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah that belonged to Joash the Abersite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a winepress to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied. The Lord is with us. Why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, Didn't the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied. Hey, can I interrupt for a second and say, I think Gideon was a Canadian. Like He's so polite. He said, Pardon me, pardon me. Pardon me, my lord, Gideon replied. How can I save Israel? My clan's the weakest in Manasseh, and I'm the least in my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. Wow, that's quite a text. Okay, remember the questions? Here's the first one. What overarching worldviews are revealed in this story, 
And where do they come from? There are a couple here that we just can't overlook. The first one has permeated our thinking from the beginning of time, and it hasn't changed a bit. Did you see it? If God is with us, says Gideon, why is all this bad stuff happening to us? From somewhere, the outlook has emerged that if God is with us, life is supposed to be filled with sunshine and lollipops. Like, how can it be that we're getting pushed around by Midian if God is on our side, Gideon wondered. What happened to all those great stories about God we used to hear and how he was always, you know, on our side, we were always winning? That's exactly what he says. Somehow, from somewhere, we have adopted the outlook that the presence of God equates to life going the way we think it should. You know what that outlook is called? Entitlement. I, I have to smile every time I hear someone say, oh, those millennials, they're so entitled. You want to know the truth? Humans are entitled. All of us. One thing we're going to notice throughout this series is that sometimes God has an agenda that impacts us, but is not about us. I think I better say that one again. Sometimes God has an agenda that impacts us, but is not about us. And that's a pretty tough pill to swallow, because one of the most seriously flawed worldviews is that everything is about me, and everything needs to be interpreted through the lens of how it impacts me. My generation, the baby boomers, we made a living promoting that worldview. And it's a flawed lens. But that's one you might want to chew on for a while. But that's not the only questionable worldview we see embedded in this story. There's another one that's a little bit more subtle, but it's just as insightful. The angel comes to Gideon, and he finds him where? Did, did you notice it? He's hiding in a wine press, threshing wheat down there, trying to keep it from the Midianites. Now, you don't need much of a farming background to understand that you don't thresh wheat in a wine press. A wine press is a low, hollow depression in the earth. You press grapes down there, but you don't thresh wheat there. You, you thresh wheat on a high spot where when you separate the wheat kernels from the chaff, the wind blows the chaff away. But Gideon was down in the wine press because he was hiding. He was clutching that little bit of wheat that he had close to his breast. This is otherwise known as a scarcity mindset. I, I only have a little bit, and I'm afraid someone's going to take it from me, so I'm hiding, and I'm keeping it close for myself. Now, let's be fair. There, there was a reason Gideon was hiding. There was a reason for his mindset. Midian was abusive. Midian had been pillaging things. They, they had been taking things from Israel. There was a battle for resources going on. And that's exactly how the world has been operating from the beginning of time. So this worldview says, I better hang on to whatever I have because there's not enough to go around and someone else might get it. Let me show you what happens when that worldview is taken to its extreme logical conclusion. Movements like Black Lives Matter get pushed back against because some people believe that if black lives matter, maybe white lives won't matter quite so much. 
because in their worldview, there's not enough to go around. Some people honestly think that if black lives matter more, then white lives will matter less. That's a scarcity mindset. And you know where that comes from? Let's just name it. That one comes from the pit of hell. That's an outlook that says there's not enough, not just of resources. But let's get to what really matters. There's not enough love. There's not enough influence. There's not enough dignity. There's not enough respect for everyone to have their fair share. So I put others down and, and I hide in the wine press, clutching to the little bit that I have with both hands. Huh. How long ago was this story written? It could be 2020, couldn't it? Okay, all of that was just to get you really thinking about the importance of lenses through which we see things, starting with those large, overarching worldviews. Let's keep going. And let me warn you as we keep going that the next set of lenses becomes a bit more personal. What view does Gideon have of himself? And how does that view evolve? Remember the story? The angel says to him, Hey, Gideon, mighty warrior, God is going to use you. I mean, you're all concerned about the state of affairs in Israel. That's good. He's going to use you to bring about some change. And Gideon says, Pardon me? You got the wrong address. In case you didn't notice, angel, uh, you got the wrong number here. You called me mighty warrior, and here I am hiding out down in the wine press. And furthermore, you must not have noticed, my clan is the weakest in the whole tribe, and I'm the least in my clan. I'm the least bottom rung in my family. I don't know about you. It hurts me to even read that. How did he come to believe that about himself? Who, who told him that? Who taught him that? His dad? His mom? His grandpa, his teacher, his preacher, the internet? The teen magazine he reads featuring supermodels and superstars? 13-year-old Frankie from the next tribe over? Where does that kind of view come from? Was it maybe even encoded into his whole society that you don't matter? I've got one grandchild. Could you imagine me bending down to that youngster and saying, Hey, by the way, little Pete, I just want you to know that our family is nothing. We're a bunch of losers from a long line of losers. And just so you know, you're on the bottom of the rung. Not in a thousand years. And yet, with all our parenting and grandparenting books and positive thinking and education systems, we have somehow produced a series of the most insecure generations imaginable. People who look at themselves just like Gideon did. One of my friends puts it this way. He says, insecurity leads to a lot of things, none of them good. I think one of the worst byproducts of insecurity is pretense. Insecurity robs us of an honest assessment of ourselves, so our lives get filled with pretending to be something we aren't. I do quite a bit of road cycling, and one of the clubs I'm attached to posts rides and comments on a computer app called Strava. And just the other day, one of my friends posted a piercing comment about a ride. His post says, Remember to always be yourself unless you suck. Then pretend to be someone else. Boy, we live in a world that takes that one to the nth degree. 
a world full of pretenders. Because like Gideon, there's a faulty set of lenses through which they see themselves. I began by telling you about a hockey coach who said one of the best helps that could be provided to young hockey players would be to help them censor the messages they receive and they believe about themselves. I don't think that's something to be reserved for hockey players. So what's the source of messaging you believe about you? Is it healthy? Is it accurate? Is it rooted in love with your best interest in mind? Faulty lenses can do a lot of damage. So make sure to get yours checked regularly. Okay, one more big theme. How does God see Gideon? And what difference does that make? Bottom line, God saw in Gideon something Gideon didn't see in himself. He saw someone who deeply cared about the situation his people were facing. He saw someone who, with the right nudge, could summon up bravery to do unimaginable things. And most important, he saw someone with whom he, God, wanted to be close. And I hope you caught that when we read the text in verse 16. God says to him, I will be with you. You see, the the essence of all our flawed lenses is only what we can see in ourselves apart from God. But God sees what we can be with Him. Have you ever had that glimpse? Do you have it today? You see, each of us really does derive our sense of value from somewhere, and it makes a massive difference where. I close this segment with one question. Are you viewing your life on your own? Or are you viewing it as your life can be with God? Join us for the next episode as we watch the real Gideon begin to emerge. Thank you for joining the Padres Chair. We hope that you walk away from this moment with lots to think about and some deeply ingrained hope. We look forward to having you join us for the next episode.